Hey guys, TGIF, right? Man, <laughs> um, it's been a long week. It's been a heavy week. There's been a family emergency. Um, not only that, I'm running on fumes. On top of that, I've had to attend some events this week, long work days. So if you hear my voice kind of crackling a little bit, I am a little tired. I'm not complaining. Just if I sound a little different, that's why. But I'm committed. I'm committed to getting this podcast out to you guys every Friday night. I'm committed to recapping the week, giving you my thoughts and opinions, although this has been a little bit of a slow week, but we still have some things to discuss and talk about and touch base on. All right, we're going to start with Monday. Um, We're at the Metro Cart. Carly is, of course, pining over Sunny, but I feel like she's acting like a little bit of an acquaintance. I don't like how she's saying to him, I'm so happy you get to take some time out and have lunch with me. Like... I'm your wife. I'm like he said, you're on top of that list, which really she needs to be number one. Like I'm your wife. There's no not ain't no thank you when it comes to spending time with your wife. That's what's supposed to happen. Number one. Anywho, we're going to stay on Sunny and Carly real quick on Monday and then shift gears. Um, We have Miss Wu looking fine as ever with her swag walking into the Metro Court. I found it funny how she addresses Sunny in the beginning and not Carly, and then they go to talk. <laughs> I don't know why I found that funny. Like, you weren't just head-to-head with Carly at a five families meeting. Like, come on. Anywho, I I was scared in the beginning that Miss Wu was going to confront Sunny about, like, him taking over the Novak stuff. I thought she was going to think he was greedy, but he ends up splitting the bag with her. That doesn't seem to be enough. You know, obviously, they shake hands she's happy to see him back but that doesn't seem to be enough she's like i want my nephew out of jail don't mess with him kind of pull some strings and sunny's like unfortunately i'm i can't pull strings but i'll back off and let the um system play out as it may because you know he stole my son's son for a year and we grieved for a year and we don't really have any remorse for him Kind of similar to what Nina did to him, but, you know, Sunny's one way. But it is refreshing to see Sunny in mob mode, like Carly said, even though she does have a little tug of war with power with him. It is. It's refresh- refreshing for all of us, even the viewers, not just her as his wife. In the meantime, we see Carly and Diane having a little kiki, and Diane, just like Olivia, egging her on, gaslighting her, like, really? You're not mad at um nina but of course diane doesn't in a more legal way like we could get her we could gut her in so many different ways i'll make sure she doesn't have a penny left and carly's like i want to get her financially i want to get her physically i want to get her in every which way possible you don't get it if it wasn't for sunny she'd be six feet under so again we're getting carly's true feelings about everything and she makes a good point because which first of all i thought it was a little weird that Diane brings up Jason like your husband's right here in front of you obviously you can't vent to him about certain things because you're feeling a certain way towards him but when Jason gets back have a beer kick back and vent to him and she made a Carly made a good point like not only did Nina keep my husband from me for nine months but obviously put me and Jason in a position where we were like forced to fall for each other and now things are just completely weird between us and now to respect my marriage and my husband I gotta kind of keep my distance 
really it is all Nina's fault. So she made a good point because I think we were so focused on being so mad at Carly and Jason for getting married and so mad at that storyline that we really don't realize that Nina put all this into play. Like you guys say, an umbrella story. So very, very uh, good point there. Um, again, still not okay with the Jarley marriage, but she does make a good point there. I also enjoyed the very brief conversation that Carly and Diane had about Michael, about face of a choir boy, heart of an assassin. Um, so true, but also so sunny. Like, I feel like we're so slowly seeing this transition happen. For what reason? Don't know. Don't care. I'm liking this part of Michael. I feel like they're really using him in a good way. Again, it's very minute, very little. But if this progresses and Michael turns into full mob mode or just becomes a more just adamant, powerful, strong-minded man, totally, totally here for it. I don't really know if Willow's here for it. I don't really know if Willow can handle that. I don't know if she's the girl for Michael if Michael turns into this, but we shall see. Now we're over here at Kelly's. Um, I still don't understand why all the while Cam and Spencer work working, all these teens are able just to circulate and have conversations. Like, what are you actually working? <laughs> like, are you kidding me with your two customers? I don't get it. That's why Spence got no money on his first check. But um, I don't understand. I know that Sonny owns a cabin. The Corinthos has a cabin. But like, who does Cam think he is just offering up the cabin? Like, is Sonny just going to let somebody like Esme go to his cabin? And aren't these cabins, yes, they're family cabins, but aren't they quote unquote like getaway houses too? I don't know. I just don't, out of all people, why is Cam offering up? And he had, hadn't asked Jocelyn before this. So I never understood that. But it was cute watching Sam and, um, sorry, Spencer and Cam have like the little brotherly talk. And he's asking him like, wait, you and uh, Joss never like did the do yet and you know he's having trying to have a um like I said a little brotherly conversation with him but uh Cam is not here for him he is going off on Spencer and it's cute and it's so funny but again I said this last week first it was Esme kind of whispering in Joss's ear and now it's Esme whispering in Cam's ear like uh how many rooms are we gonna get are you guys gonna do this what's up and just really questioning what happened but also I thought it was funny how um Trina somehow came up in the conversation and Spencer was questioning Cam like how wait you and Trina had a thing and Esme's like exactly how close did you guys get and Spencer looked a little jealous and you see Esme eyeing him a little bit like side eyeing him a little bit um so I don't know I thought that was cute funny it was good to bring up again because we may have forgotten just because Joss and Cam are like such a thing now, so we may have forgotten that. But I, I'm still not here for Esme getting in their business. I just feel like I know it's Soapland and it's fake, but for her to be asking personal questions like that, mm -mm. and then now we have Alexis getting out of jail. Diane comes to tell her the good news, sign whatever paperwork that needs to be signed. Sam's winner. It was so cute seeing them like happy, like, hi, let's get out of here. And then Sam kind of being a little, um, little bitchy towards Harmony, which I kind of get that. But 
still, Alexis could have stood up for Harmony a little bit. But I'm here for the friendship. I like Harmony. I love the actress. I follow her. I think she is just so... Like, that. that's her name in general. Like, her name really speaks of her character. And I think who she is outside of the soup. Um, but it seems like Alexis is, like, again, still kind of uneasy about getting out and dealing with the real world. Um, here comes Nicholas congratulating her and Alexis is just not here for it outs Nicholas right in front of Diane and Sam like um, this is what he did he really tried to bribe me and Alexis um, Nicholas said that he was going to kind of get her out anyway which you know what I kind of do believe it I really do believe Nicholas still would have got her out regardless I really do believe that's one time I believe Nicholas because we know Nicholas is just ain't S-H-I-T. Um, but then like uh, Sam goes off on him a little bit and chuckles when he says Spence, want no, Spence wants no part of him. Eventually ends up thanking him. But, um, you know, no, one's, no one really likes the way he's moving, how he operates. It's just, it's funny to see. Like, I mean, we'll get into this, how he shows up at, for whatever reason, he shows up for Elizabeth at her birthday party. No one really wants him there either. So I thought that was funny, um, honestly. Now we're back on Cassadine Island. This is just dragging. It honestly is dragging. Um, what I did, the first thing I did notice is Kelly's acting because Britt looks helpless. Obviously, wardrobe and makeup has a lot to do with it, but her face acting during the whole, she just looks helpless. And I love every part about it, but... I don't really like Peter coming in acting like their family, like Joan forces with me. Like he doesn't even know how to spell the word. He doesn't know what that word means. And she's just popping off at every second, every second. And she should. Um, and he, I mean, I feel like he took it to the extreme, making Drew like cut himself and trying to teach Britt a lesson about look at what I can do. Look how I can do it. Jason claims he slipped up and now Jason knows how to condition or uncondition Drew. It is a little weird. It is a little odd. Not really sure um, what's going to happen with Jason or Stephen Burton. But if they're going to write this where Jason's demise is because of Peter, they're really not doing justice to this character. So I'm really not here for that. I think great acting, though. I mean, Peter... Um, what's his name? Wes Ramsey. He's a great actor. He's not a phase on because phase on is was extremely like scary. And I would hear, um, I would listen to podcasts where they said phase on even, you know, behind the scenes, he was such a nice guy, but in character, he seems scary. Peter doesn't seem somebody who would like really scare me while he's in character. I think he has a different way of playing villain. Um, too cocky. Like he's too in and phase on. I don't want to say he was too... He, Faison was confident about how evil he was and what he could do, where I feel like Peter kind of overdoes it um, and overcompensates for it and too cocky. But it's it's a decent storyline because it keeps us hooked. We kind of want to know how it plays out. But again, you only see it a few times out of the week and that's it. I don't know if it's due to COVID. I don't know if it's due to filming or scheduling or everything that's going on behind the scenes. But um, yeah that's I don't know I'm just ready for this to wrap up however way it plays out however way it plays out I just want it to wrap up all right so we're back at the metro court 
after um Miss Wu and Sunny's meeting and Sunny wants to talk with Carly and Michael and I think it's funny how like in the beginning of the scene Michael and Willow show up with Wiley and Grandma Carly's doing her thing hugging him pictures are being taken and the Don is upstairs waiting in Carly's office to have a talk with Michael and Carly and Michael was like all right well can Willow come and Carly doesn't say no but makes a face like um I don't think so not really sure if Willow liked that but again these little um, these little gems of Willow not being cut out for this life really seeps through here. Um, but again, we get scenes with Willow and Harmony, which I will touch base with later. Um, I'm getting Sunny versus Michael vibes here. Again, we're talking about how I feel like Michael's transitioning into um, Sunny a little bit. And Michael's like, you're my father and I want to respect you, but I'm a father and I kind of want to do things my way. And, you know, he tells Sonny, eventually he agrees to Sonny, like, I'm not going to pull strings. I'm going to kind of let it play out. But if I have to testify, I'm not testifying in his favor, basically, which is all Sonny really asked. But he was firm with Michael. He was like, he wasn't even asking Michael. He was telling Michael, like, this is what, this is how it's going to go down. This is what we're going to do. Miss Wu save, Miss Wu save Sonny and Jason's life. And um, you're going to honor that by... You know, do what you got to do. Testify against him. Tell him how you feel. Go through that whole year of grief that you thought you lost your son. But that's about that. And Carly is proud of her son, which I love that. Again, Laura Wright's face acting, the way she like raises her eyebrows. And she doesn't have to say much for us to know she's so proud of Michael. And I am too. And then Sonny's like, um, Michael's focused on protecting the family. And Sonny's like, well you know, I, that's my job to protect the family. But have you? Not saying he's not protecting the family, but he's not being honest with them about everything that's going on. And just like he wasn't honest about what he thought happened between him and Nell, and he let Nell, like, just go through a whole plethora of destructing that family and destructing Carly. So you don't know what Nina's capable of. Like, he's not telling them the facts. Nina could be pulling strings. I don't know. We'll get to that later. But um, I love how Sunny goes to Miss Wu Monday. Like, I speak on behalf of my entire family, but then has to go talk to Mike and Carly about, okay, well, <laughs> this is how it has to go down. Um, And I loved how, unlike Chase, Michael was nice to Harmony. Um, I think that was intentional. I think, obviously... The writers, producers, directors wanted us to see that. And I thought that was a cute little nod to Michael be also just being a gentleman, gentleman and respecting that that's Willow's mom, despite whatever happened. Um, but I felt that in my soul when Wiley said to Harmony, like, I can't take candy from strangers. I felt so sad for Harmony. Um, I'm a Harmony fan. But... um. That was, she respected that. That was nice. Obviously, Michael and Willow are doing a great job raising this kid. Um, <sighs> little Wiley, I think, was younger. Like, old Wiley was younger than this new Wiley. And he would smile and talk and show emotion. And this new Wiley isn't really doing that. 
So I miss that about Wiley. Even when like he would have scenes with Nina or he would have scenes with... And he would have scenes with even Carly or Michael and talk back to Michael and give Michael like a fist bump. It was cute. I just feel like he had a little more character. Don't kill me. I think this little actor's so cute. Um, I just think he's still transitioning to the role in my opinion. So we'll see how that plays out. I'm here for um, a Willow and Harmony little connection, mother-daughter connection. I think she's going to need her mom when things blow up in her face because her and Michael eventually don't work out. But again, either we're going to see her at a quarter main Christmas or Thanksgiving. They're they're not going to leave Harmony out or we're going to see her at a Corinthos compound holiday Thanksgiving. Which, again, I don't know how many holidays Carly and Sunny will spend this year after everything falls out. But we shall see. So we're back in Carly's office. I kind of jumped ahead a little bit. But we're back in Carly's office where Michael's comparing the Nina and Brad thing to the same thing. Which I thought was really funny because uh, Breed, uh, Brad and Nina are definitely Port Charles public enemy right now. But um, again, reminding the audience, reminding Sonny that what they both did are similar. They both need to pay the price. Hello, let's let the law take it into their hands if no one wants to get mob on them and gut them. Um, and again, here goes Carly smirking like, yep, I hear you. I hear you. I agree. But she can't say that out loud in front of Sonny, which annoys me. I feel like. This time around, I know she's trying to find her footing with him and trying to be careful around him, but you'll see all my videos on my page of how much she would clap back at him and they would argue and she had a voice and had an opinion and they would go at it. And this is just annoying me that she's not there yet. I had to get there. I just want her there now. I would be like, are you kidding me? Why? Why can't I do this? Like, he'd be sleeping on the couch after he'd be back for two weeks away for nine months. I'd have him sleeping on the couch, period. But I did like how Carly made the analogy about, like, once you get the genie out the bottle, it's hard to get her back in. And he looked at her like, I don't think we're talking about Michael anymore. And he kind of smirked. So I thought that was funny. It's kind of like, that again, that was like an aphrodisiac for him. I think he liked it. I think he's like, yo, we'll play this game. I'm going to win. But if you want to play this game, let's play. And I said this last week, I want to see a power struggle. If there's going to be any drama between them, I want to see a power struggle. And I think that even though she, if she finds out about Nina, she ain't going to give up that name. She's not giving up that name. I think she's going to be thinking about the business first before she thinks about uh, divorcing Sonny or leaving the quote-unquote family. So I think that's going to be fun. On Tuesday, we have the whole Gladys BLQ um, Jersey Shore wannabe. We meet Kip, which I do remember Kip. I think when Nina, what when Michelle Stafford was Nina, she used Kip for something, but I do remember him being a bartender. But he's funny, and I think, <coughs> excuse me, this played out really well in the bar after Gladys and Austin have a key key and Austin is still getting tea from Gladys, finds out Brooklyn's hiding something. Austin still doesn't know yet, but um, he like puts the hammer on Gladys. Gladys gets scared. I didn't think Gladys would get that frazzled easily, which I thought was very interesting and very funny. 
But she, you know, she gives the card back. She gets scared. She wants no problems. She realizes, oh, maybe I'm not cut out for this life. But, you know, they didn't fire her. She still has a job. If I was Brooklyn and I knew that this would have worked, she would have been out of a job. So they don't fire her. So she needs to be happy about that. She's still able to able to look nice and wear those silk dresses. So um, Gladys needs to stand down. But I thought it was funny that she called them a Jersey Shore wannabe. And she says, I know, um, she said, I pictured you more cash than class or something like that. Her little punchlines are so funny. But um, Austin, man. So Austin is out to get BLQ. Obviously, you see him. I'm jumping ahead, but you see him in Valentine's hospital room, basically tiptoeing around the fact that Brooklyn's hiding something from you specifically. Austin doesn't know what, but... I don't think he really, but then he, in the same sentence, he really cares about Maxie. So I wonder if once he realizes what's happening, if he will backpedal um, or if he's going to be, or if he takes it too far and then be realizes how sorry he is that he kind of outed Maxie and put the baby back in danger. But Valentin isn't stupid though. Obviously he picked up on a few things that Austin was telling him. And then we see him. On Friday, um, again, making weird comments to Chase about Brooklyn being able to skip on Yuri a few times and being determined to have the baby alone. And Chase, then he got Chase thinking like, oh man, something's up. So I kind of want to see how this plays out. I really believe that if Valentin finds out the baby's not his, he's going to do whatever he can to protect the baby. And at the end of the day, the baby doesn't have a dad. So he might as well just, Maxi might as well just let him play daddy for the rest of her life since she knows him to be a dad. And by the time we see her back on the canvas, she's probably going to be four and know Valentin as daddy. So why not, you know? So as we circle back to the, not really circle back, but we start Wednesday at the Savoy. Um, and I knew that Mr. Brown looked familiar. Then it hit me that he was linked. Who is, no pun intended, linked to Poppy, who that's my nickname for Curtis's stalker dad, Poppy. So we see that they're linked at some point. And, you know, Link came through and was able to find a performer for the Savoy. Um, but I don't know what's going on there. What's the connection? Obviously, again, we see later on in the week that or we see later on um, Friday that something's up. He's he comes in. Poppy comes in heavy at the end of Friday's episode. To, tells Link to beat it and then has a conversation with Curtis. So um, I want to see how that plays out. And then Link confirms to Curtis, no, this this isn't mob. This isn't mob. I just owe somebody a favor. But is it? And then we have Curtis telling, I mean, Portia telling Curtis, like, I know, you know, whatever's happening here, I know it was unwanted help or, or help that you didn't realize was putting your business in danger. But if you're, and as much as I think that Sonny and Jason are good people, you're still going to have mob ties. But like, either way, if Poppy's part of the mob, one, you want the lesser of the two evils, which is Sonny and Jason. So I just felt like Portia, come on, like you're the one who's figuring this whole mystery out anyway. So be smarter than that. So we'll see what happens there. 
um, I thought that was really funny. So I'm a little annoyed at Wednesday's episode. I mean, I was, I actually, Wednesday was actually, I had the time to watch the episode at home and I was pissed at how close Nina and Sunny were. They shouldn't even have been in the same frame. They sh- they don't need to be in seen smiling with Phyllis. They could be smiling separately, not all three of them together. Number one, I loved how Sunny, Phyllis called Sunny, Sunny, naturally. I love that. And she accepted to be manager of the bar. Um, I think Sunny low-key didn't want to sell it to her because he wanted to own it and be behind the bar, which we will touch upon later. Um, and then we see Sean and Nina, which I'm here for. Whatever's going to keep Nina away from Sunny, I'm here for. But they used that little scene to show Sunny's possible jealousy. If there was one, if there is, he wasn't too keen, but he was happy to see Sean. So I like that little scene. It was a good little um, catch up. And then Sonny telling Sean, like, I owe you anything you need. Like, I'll get you back on your feet. But obviously, Nicholas, you can take Nicholas for <laughs> Sean getting back on his seat and on his feet and wearing that three piece Easter Sunday suit. All of a sudden, from one day to the next, he's wearing Easter Sunday suits at Charlie's out of all places. But that was cute. I also loved scenes that happened between Joss and Trina. And Trina's kind of telling Jocelyn what she don't want to hear. Like, I'm here for you. I'm going to support it. It seems a little rushed. It seems a little random and spontaneous. But, you know, Trina's a real one for packing stuff for Josh. Even Joss, even down to her panties. Like, my friends would do some shit like that for me. Sorry, I didn't mean to curse. But I was like, really, I felt that friendship in my soul. Um, and then you got Scott on the other hand, giving, um, Cam condoms later on. We see Joss came ready too, but the whole thing, the whole thing with them was a little, again, I said this last week, it's a little forced. I wanted to see them. I want to see them take their time. I want to see them make the decision because it's what they want, not because Esme is in their ear. So I was happy that. Again, I'm getting a little my head ahead of myself, but I was happy Trina was able to give Joss, be honest and real with Joss, and Joss be able to receive it. Still make whatever decision she wants to make, but be able to receive it and let her know. And I love the confirmation of their friendship. Like, I wouldn't be able to do this without you. Low-key, I could have went to the dorm and got my stuff, but I wanted you to bring it because I wanted to see you. And I know that you were going to be real with me. Whether I agree or not, I was going to be able to have a conversation with somebody before this pops off she doesn't obviously doesn't have the conversation with Carly which I would have enjoyed seeing those scenes because Carly would have been real about it but we see her having a moment with someone before this quote-unquote happens what was funny about those scenes with on Cam's end was him rushing the Liz's birthday party like (laughs) that was cute you got a young little boy ready to do the the do with his girlfriend and he's trying to be there and trying to be in the moment and trying to be present but also rushing them all out and again I like that Cam was able to have that conversation with Scott Liz happened to walk in not knowing exactly what they were talking about but she felt it in her heart how much Cam missed them and there's certain conversations Cam could have had with Franco and at the end of the day it was her first birthday without Franco so that I'm sure that was a moment for Liz and yeah although Cam was all caught up with what he wanted to do with Joss later 
I'm sure it was a moment for him. So it was cute seeing Scott in those uh, scenes with them. Again, I mentioned this in um, a few minutes ago about like Nick popping up. Like, why are you there? Nobody likes you. I know you're trying to show respect for your quote unquote nephews and Liz is too good of a person to kick you out. But you could just tell on everyone's facial facial expressions, everyone's body language. No one wanted you there. You barely had a conversation with anybody and you dipped in and out. Even when you like Joss was walking in and you were walking out, she didn't even say nothing to you. Like, bye, Nick. Um, So that was cute. And then you see him having a conversation with Trina and thanking Trina about like, thank you for being real with my son. Obviously, Trina said that I didn't tell him exactly to do this, but he asked me for honest advice. And I told him, stop being a phony. (laughs) like legit word for word whatever she had said to him and he kind of chuckled and he appreciated Trina being that friend to Spence and he knew and understood like he listens to you you have influence on him and she said okay I do but I'm not getting in the middle of you and him don't just because I have influence with him doesn't mean I'm going to influence him to make amends with you that's on you and I like that Nick took was able to take a little bit of accountability how I spoiled him I wasn't the best role model. And, you know, obviously it's not Trina's fault because of whatever she says to Spence that he walked out on Nick. That's Nick's fault. So I like that he had that little moment with Trina. It was cute. I don't really have much else to say about Liz's party except, like, number one, where was Jake? (laughs) We had Aiden. We had Violet. We had Cam. We had Finn, which, again, I could care less about Finn and Liz. But where was Jake? That's all I ha- all else that I have to say about that party. Um, we're back at GH where we see Sam and Maxie have a brief conversation about the current events that have occurred between Sam and Dante. And Maxie surprisingly took that well. And I li- I've listened to a lot of podcasts and I've seen a lot of posts about Maxie's going to go off. And out of all the people, I would have liked to see that drama play out between Sam and Maxie, even if it was for a quick two minutes and then they get over it. I would have liked to see Maxie kind of have a little more of an issue with it or a little more of a struggle and talk more about Lulu and her friendship. And this is weird. And I don't know. I just don't feel like they did justice with that. I like that Sam and Max are best friends. Like, I love their relationship. I'm not saying I wanted them to end their friendship over it, but I wanted to see a little more angst with that. And we're still at GH, and it was so good, so refreshing to see Alexis in her own element, has a nice face of makeup on, makeup on has a beautiful um, red and black sweater duster on just I loved seeing it out of those jail clothes in her element but it didn't hit me until we saw her at the hospital while she was there she was there for her nine month um, AA meeting and it hit me like oh man that's and I said this last pod like she has free will now you know she's not you know locked in a cell where she can't have a drink and she can't do certain things and now she has free will to do whatever it is that she pleases. And of course, I'm happy that she went to an AA meeting, but that's going to be a never-ending struggle. Any addiction that you really want to work on and stay sober, that's just a never-ending struggle. So I loved to see her 
I love to sh- see the show acknowledge that she was going to a meeting, but it didn't hit me that how hard it was going to be for her in the moment. Or maybe not. Maybe she not saying she's healed from that. Again, addiction is something that we struggle with, but she might have learned her lesson. Like Dante said, like, all I wanted when I took the stand was for you to learn your lesson. And I hope you learned your lesson. And she even said, like, I wanted to complete my sentence. I wanted to. But Dante, I think Dante saw the change, saw the shift. I'm happy to see it. I'm happy to see where this goes. I want to see her with scenes with Sunny. I love the scenes with them together. They're so real with each other. They're such good friends. Um, they both kind of been away from nine months. So we'll see what play we'll see how that conversation goes. I mean, if I wasn't already mad, the fact that uh they ended Wednesday's episode with Nina telling Sunny how much she misses the TNO and he said it was a magical place, yada yada yada. If I wasn't already mad about that, half of Thursday's episode was Sunny and Nina. Totally irked by this. And this is why they are good at what they do because this is what they get the fans to feel. But like again, under no circumstance should in real life, if Sunny, if Carly would have walked in, she would have flipped shit. Like under no circumstances would Nina be at a bar and Sunny be behind the bar drinking scotch. Um, I feel like as the conversation progresses, number one, he's acting like a freaking toddler. Like I changed the rules. Uh, <laughs> like, and then getting mad, getting a temper, stay away from my family. But no one said you had to stay away from Charlie's. You still have a friendship with Phyllis. Like, uh, does he think that he's going to create Nixon Falls 2.0 at Charlie's with Nina and Phyllis and keep everyone else away? He's got his head is full of marbles, number one. Um, number two, Nina is kind of starting to crush on Sunny, not Mike, Sunny. She's starting to see Sunny's heart now. I'm not here for it still. But I kind of felt that in my soul, her little smirk when he walked away. He like banged down the glass, walks away. And it's like she had like this little smirk. Like, how can I explain it? I don't know how I feel about him yet, but I feel something. And she notices his like tug and, tug and war towards her, you know. Um, and she kind of smirks. So again, not a fan of her, not a fan of this uh sunny and nina rising but as a woman when you're not really sure how you feel about somebody but you know you feel something positive towards them and you it may or may not be reciprocated and you feel those butterflies i kind of felt that in my soul i guess yeah whatever good acting but um he doesn't answer carly's call maybe he didn't have his phone we didn't really see him ignore the call we just see sunny walking to the i mean carly walking into the savoy looking fly as ever nina could never number one and i guess i have to really go back and rewind i wasn't sure if they purpose if sunny and carly purposely showed up separately because of everything that happened at the savoy with novak um i know that carly knew that Sonny was going to propose Charlie's to Phyllis. But again, I wasn't sure what that what was happening there. Obviously, he shows up and Carly is so happy to see her man. And it's like, I'm happy Phyllis took the offer. We got to hang out at Charlie's. And Sonny's just smiling and nodding like he's been doing since he's been back for over going on two months now. What the heck, man? 
I just, I don't know. I've always said Sonny was Captain Save-A-Ho. And Carly always stood by his side during this. They would go through angst. They would break up, make up. And this is, you know, he's being Captain Save-A-Ho with Nina. Like, it may not get that far. What if it doesn't get that far? What if you don't get in trouble? What if you don't go to prison? You don't know how much power I have. Like, being a straight hypocrite because he's telling Michael don't pull any strings. But Sonny's ready, ready to pull strings for Nina. I'm just flabbergasted at this point like once carly finds out number one every time something pops off between sunny and carly and they split up carly has to leave the corinthos compound once something pops off i want carly kicking sunny out his own home and i want him sleeping in that little shack above charlie's that's what i want however long that lasts because again we know carson will end up back together but in the moment she needs to kick him out i'm so mad at him it's not even funny and Nina, whatever, I feel like however way he expressed to Nina, like, you may not have to worry about that. She felt comfort in that. She really, I think, felt some sort of security, like, oh, this may not even go that far. So not here for it. Not happy about it. Again, we'll see what happens. Ugh, I, I could keep going on and on and on about this, but I'm not. It's funny because while we're still at the Savoy, you could tell like who the VIPs in town are because Portia comes in like, oh my gosh, there's a line around the block. But then you see like everyone from Port Charles is already in. <laughs> so they clearly didn't have to. We know Carly didn't have to wait online. But it's funny. You could see who the VIPs are or the, or the people who are slipping the uh, security 10, 20 bucks to get in and I have to wait online. So that was pretty hilarious to see. We see. I mean, clearly it's the place to be. It is the spot in town everyone who who's everyone for the most part is there um you have the this guy fido whatever they call him um on camera singing about a war brewing which i'm not even gonna get into that performance however he discusses something about a war and war brewing and all they they frame in on certain characters which talk, yeah let's talk about something is brewing something is going to be bre- popping off at the savoy not in the good way something's going to be popping off between willow and michael michael something's going to be popping off between sunny and carly something something's going to be popping off between blq and chase there's going to be a lot of little wars popping off so that was a great song choice in my opinion again i I don't really have nothing to say about the actual performance, but I was paying attention to the lyrics of the song. Uh, I don't know. Call Me Mean, I totally could have done without um, Scott's drunk scenes at Ava's gallery. We know they're friends. We know he misses Liesl. We know he's probably about to steal a painting. I don't know. Could have done without it. And Scott makes me laugh. And I love Scott and Ava as friends, but it wasn't that funny. I do like how BLQ said to um, Chase that he has uh, the Jason Morgan fall line. (laughs) That was cute. Poor Chase getting these little, trying to stay busy, getting these little jobs here and there. Like, he's just popping up. (laughs) Like, he is just popping up where he is not wanted or not needed. In in the mix of this whole Bailey Louise storyline, we knew he was going to somehow be a part of it, but it's just so funny how he just pops up everywhere after not being on screen for a while. 
And forgive me, but I really wasn't paying too much attention to Michael and Willow, what they were saying until I heard, until all of a sudden Willow's like, I want to get on the table. Help me get on the table because I want to tell everyone how much I love you. Like, sit down, okay? Well, I don't know if they were making it seem like she was tipsy, but like, stop it. But since we're on the topic of Michael, I noticed how once Sunny comes in, they all sit down together at the table. I noticed how Michael wasn't like extremely happy to see him. <laughs> Again, I don't know if that's intentional. I don't know if it's direction or how they, you know, how they wanted Michael to play that. I mean, obviously they're, you know, he's respectful, like, hi, dad. But he's not like, I'm sure everyone in his family is so happy to see him. And he's like, hey, what's up? So I think he just didn't like the conversation that was had a few days before at Sunny's, uh, Carly's office. Um, totally just felt some sort of tension there. I don't know, but I thought that was very interesting to watch. And now we're back at Liz's house with Joss and Cam all alone, just having these awkward moments about doing the do and you know, not to get too into detail or not, but I mean, I was probably younger than Joss and it I, it wasn't that awkward for me. But of course, this is TV. But again, of course, like I keep saying, I wanted them to make a decision that felt right for them. And they were kissing and they were like, let's take this downstairs, upstairs. But the minute, the minute Esme's name came up, it was a buzzkill for them. <laughs> but you know what? Good. Because they were able to have the discussion, like just because Esme's in our ear, just because we're talking about this cabin thing, just because we feel like it's rushed and it needs to get done. Like I didn't like Jocelyn just felt like I just felt like it just it was something it was a big part that that it was a part of our relationship that we hadn't touched on yet and that hadn't happened. And I like that they explained that we're like it doesn't it, it it's not something that needs to be checked off a list. You know what I mean? And. I just like I like that they didn't end up doing it. I I think again when it does happen, I think it'll be gratifying for the viewers because I see a lot on Twitter how everyone's like just make it happen, just make it happen. But I also feel like it sends a good message to the younger audience about the the peer pressures of life and the peer pressures of this is a I know like I said when I was young I it was a big decision for me and it was a big moment in my life. It wasn't as awkward. But at the same time, this is an important moment in your life. And I like that they sent the message to the young viewers, like, take your time, talk about it, do it because you want to, don't do it because you feel pressured. So, you know, and I like that, obviously, Joss and Cam are fan faves, and they use a really good duo to play this out and send that message. And again, Trina had a lot to do with it, too, with having that conversation with Joss and she's another fan fave, and she had a good message to the younger audience as well. Um, yeah, so I again, I just love how that played out, and I respected it, and it, it was funny to see all the memes on Twitter about how it didn't go down, but um, we'll see if it happen if it even happens between them. I don't know. If something does go down um, where Jocelyn does end up losing her virginity or cam ends up losing his virginity will it be with each other at this point now who knows and i'm gonna wrap this up by um briefly recapping friday's episode we'll start with sunny 
visiting spence sunny gets all the tea from joss i love it when he's talking to the, like the younger the younger audience the younger actors oh joss told me joss told me so even though we don't see it it's cute to know that joss and sunny are having their little moments at home which i love i want to see more of that but it's cute to know that you know kind of <laughs> joss is having kind of a little kiki with sunny kind of spilling the tea so that's cute but um you know, he comes in talking about housework. Sonny's like, you know, we all don't start at the top. But Sonny, like, you don't start at the top. But you, the way you started your career was killing someone. You, you've discussed this. You may not have started at the top, but your bottom was killing someone in cold blood to work your way up to the top. Again, that's mob life. I'm not shaming Sonny for it. And I do think that Sonny is a way more prominent father figure to Spencer than Nicholas is. But again, he could be a little hypocritical when he talks about, you know, I think your dad kind of gave you too much privilege. And I think that all your kids have privilege. It's unfortunate that they came up in a mob life where Michael and Morgan kind of suffered the consequences but they all had privilege. Even Jocelyn, who's your like extended daughter, has great privilege. She's a good kid. She didn't put you guys through the ringer. She didn't lie. She didn't stalk anyone. But I don't know. I just I just felt like I, I liked the scenes, but I just felt like he was being a little hypocritical. Like he even says to Spencer, like, you broke my trust. It's it's gonna be tough to get that back, but you're also my nephew and I want you to learn these lessons and I want you to grow up and do things be not because people are telling you like apologize to Ava not because I'm telling you apologize to Ava because that's because you you mean it you know but Nina broke your trust too Sonny and I don't see you giving her a lecture anyway listen don't let me get on that topic at all for the rest of this podcast please but it's cute there's something so gratifying yet humbling about watching Spence kind of tie on his apron at Kelly's (laughs) so cute I don't know we see Sonny obviously walk out of Kelly's towards the end of that episode and he runs into Brooklyn I wish I I wish they would elaborated more on that scene because I love the Brooklyn Sonny relationship but we see but that happens so that Gladys and Sonny could bump into each other and Sonny just want no parts Sonny got no time Every time Gladys, like, I don't know. Again, this is the first time they've had interaction. But I feel like I feel like every time they see each other, Sunny's just going to be like, oh, hi. Well, I didn't call you because I was just thinking about how you did this or how you told Cyrus about Dev. Or, um, you know, maybe how you told them you saw Jason put the gun when it was really Peter. <laughs> like, they're just going to throw shit at her every single time. So I think that's pretty funny. And, um we see Gladys bump into Brooklyn real quick and she's like, okay, so you think Sonny was going to have um your back over mine? And what are you doing? Like, you know, be care, be careful. Polly's lurking and Polly's going to get you. And Gl- poor Gladys is already scared because she had to get an earful and get threatened by Valentine and threatened to get on Valentine's bad side, which she already said too much to Valentine when she said, don't trust Brooklyn. You know, she already said too much, but I had talked about that before, how that kind of wrapped up with Chase and Valentine having their little talk too. 
I loved how at the beginning, the beginning of the episode, um, Maxie runs into Austin and she's like, you know, Bobby's car broke down or something. So I wanted to bring her to work. And I love how close Maxie and Bobby are. And I feel like Carly and Maxie could be a little closer. I think they're cool. They're friendly, but I would love to see them be a little closer. Like I would love to see her more ingrained in because we don't see Mac and Felicia a lot. You know, so she really kind of goes to the beat of her own drum and lives her own little life. So I want to see Maxie at Corinthos Christmas or Thanksgiving. But I, but you know, Maxie's still close to Nina. So I hope that whole way to work where Maxie's dropping Bobby off, Bobby's giving Carly an earful about how can you still be tight to Nina? I love you. You're cool. You're like a daughter to me. But how can you still be cool to Nina? Like I hope Bobby gave her an earful because I'm just not here for it. An enemy. A friend of my enemy is my enemy. I don't, I don't know if that sounds right, if that makes sense. But yeah, a friend of my enemy is my enemy too. Screw that. But I did say I wasn't going to talk about Nina anymore. And I mean it. Like, we're done. Done with her. Um, so Chase runs into Maxie and Austin. And again, just wrong time and Chase. Wrong time. And Maxie's just not here for Chase. Kind of giving him the business. Threatening to tell Mac. And then Austin is willing to cooperate. And then she's like, nope, I'm going to stay right here unless you try anything. Make sure you stay in line. Um, so that was really funny. But... I don't know, but uh, Chase mentioned something about Peter resurfacing. I don't know if that was when he resurfaced in Nixon Falls or when he, I don't know if he left Cassadine Island to come to Port Charles real quick. So I was a little unsure about that. Most likely, I think it meant like Nixon Falls because I, yeah, you know what? Because Nina came up and Nina kind of told her story about what Peter said or didn't say. But, um, we're back at the Quartermain Mansion and um, Robert comes to visit Olivia and, you know, he's got balls, you know, at first, no, obviously at first I thought he was trying to bag Olivia and pull up on Olivia in Ned's home, but then I think it was more so to make Olivia realize like, we're friends, you like the adventure, the kiss wasn't meaningless, but you only use me when things ain't right between you and Ned, which was a good point. Which was good, which was really good to point out, but also like, I know you're scared. I know you're scared of what's happening. I know you're scared of what may be the truth or may not be the case with Leo, but funnel, you know, fuel that anger or fuel that fear into being there for your son and being a superhero and really finding out what's up. And that's all Ned wants too. All Ned wants is to, you know, just make sure Leo's getting the attention he needs. So I love that because at first when he came to the mansion, I thought like he was flipping script. Like he was, I thought he was really trying to pull up on her, but then he turns it around. So I really love that. But again, it goes to show that whatever he said resonated with her more than whatever Ned has got to say. So that's still scary. And again, she goes through a whole timeline again of the angst of her and Ned and then you see Ned talking to Brooklyn about them too. And Ned makes a point too. Like it takes two. It takes two to work this out. And if she's not working it out, then it's over. Eventually, they come, they get back to the mansion and he invites her to the exhibit. And I hope they go to they go together. And I hope they work things out because it's not I Olivia got over the cheating. So it's more just about that they're not in agreement with the Leo thing, which eventually I think they will be. 
So I really hope that they do work that out because then we could see a nice, beautiful story of them working through it, taking Leo to appointments and getting the help he needs. Sidebar, I think it is so, um, so cool to watch Lisa in scenes with Tristan because any any and every podcast you hear or any interview that she does, she talks about how she was such a huge fan of him when she was younger and she would watch and it's so cool seeing them in scenes together. And I, she has to still be blown away every time it happens. I mean, she's known him for so long now. But every time she's in a scene with him, especially like scenes of this capacity, she has to be so blown away. So I just thought that was so cute and just so cool to watch, especially when I know and have listened to like her interviews about him. I mean, how else are we going to wrap up this pod episode um, except not for the Trina and Esme encounter. Esme's sick. She's just sick. Again, I love her style. Sidebar. But, you know, when you go to another female already erratic and psycho and everyone got your number and then you go to another female questioning that female about your man. Number one, you look so insecure and you look so stupid and Trina told her straight up he sought me out he came to me looking for my advice and if you think that I need to stay away from him you need to take that up with Spencer because that's the kind of person I am that's the kind of friend I am I'm going to tell you the truth whether we like it or not and like I said we've seen that we've seen that trend with Trina telling Joss talking to Spencer about you know Telling things that they telling them things they really don't want to hear. But if she wouldn't be a true friend if she wasn't honest with them. And Esme is just threatened by that because Esme is just fake and phony and she's threatened by Trina's realness. You know? And she's psycho. I don't know what she did with her hands to bleed. She's definitely gonna say somebody cut her, or was she just that mad? That she was like really balling up a fist. I'm not really sure. I had thought she had left the gallery and then then she comes back. So that kind of scared me. But and I get Esme again, I don't like her. I think she's a villain. But I get the insecurities, you know, when you're dating someone and that person can't even like confide in you and go to you, but goes to another female. So I as a female, I get the insecurity of it all. But Mm-hmm. Trina's a force to be reckoned with, Esme. My only thing is Trina's not evil, evil Esme is. So how far will Esme take this to make sure Trina stays away or to make sure um, Spencer stays away from Trina or to seek revenge out on both of them and on Joss? Will she make a move on Cam? I don't know, but I mean, Trina is winning. every. Even though we don't see her as much anymore, Every scene, every storyline she's in, she's winning. I love seeing that little girl in scenes with Ned. You know what I mean? Like somebody of his caliber, his character, that actor, watching him and watching them in like not intimate like that, but you know, close scenes together talking about the um the exhibit coming up. It's just I have to end with that because I'm just so blown away by this actress, by this character. They do so good by her with the writing and who she is and how she's evolved and just so impressed and I said this before I don't know how long she's gonna last on the show just because she's that good and she not saying soaps aren't bigger and better things but I mean I could see her in movie roles I could see her in a Netflix series like I could see her being a lead actress on something 
and I'm so happy for her. I'm re- I'm rooting for you, Cindy Michaela. If you hear this, I mean, you are just it. I'm going to end on that note. Sorry, guys. I know I was a little all over the place with this pod this week. I told you in the beginning, just had a lot going on, but I still had fun doing this. Like, again, I, clearly, I still had lots to say. Have a fabulous weekend, and I'll talk to you guys next week. Bye.